Hi, I'm Jason. And I'm Scott. Welcome to Skipped On Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist. In this episode, we're going to take a look at the Cream song, Those Were the Days, off of their 1968 album, Wheels of Fire. I think if I was going to make a top 10 list of my favorite bands, Cream would be in there, without a doubt. That's really interesting because Cream is such a, a representation of, of that late 60s, you know, hard rock psychedelic sound. But I, I feel like for a lot of people, they're overshadowed by what's to come, which is Led Zeppelin, which is going to sort of take what Cream did and refine it in a way. So I guess it's interesting because I don't know. I, I I know there are a lot of people out there who like like Cream and they they know like a lot of their big songs like Sunshine of Your Love and White Room and and whatever. But yeah, to be like top ten favorite band of all time, like that's I feel like that's a that's a unique standpoint. I, I'm not sure how many other people have that standpoint. I think it's just because there there aren't too many bands where you can listen to like the studio stuff and the live stuff and just get that electricity. For, for lack of a better word, where it's just this band was loud and crazy and you said unrefined. Yeah. And and I feel like this that applies to that word applies to cream yeah. where it's they never quite figure out what it is that they're doing, <laughs> I, I, I guess, where it's just like we're blues, but we're we're rock, but we're pop, but we're going to be a jam band we're going to throw bells on this song. I, you know, there's just like so much going on in so many different directions. And it's like such a like flash in the pan because this band only existed for a couple years. And then everyone in the band went off to do other things. And so I, I think that's part of what makes this so special is there's so little material that they have. And it points in all these kind of interesting directions that you wonder like, what could have been, but we're going to focus on what was <laughs> and um, get into the history of cream and uh, the it's, short it's, history. Yeah, of the cream. short, the very short history of cream uh, and its members, guitarist Eric Clapton, drummer Ginger Baker and vocalist, bassist Jack Bruce. London, 1966. Drummer Ginger Baker and guitarist Eric Clapton are each looking for new bands, and Baker invites Clapton to join one that he is putting together, which would become Cream. By that point, Clapton had been in the Yardbirds and John Mayle in the Blues Breakers. The Yardbirds had a hit in March of 1965 with For Your Love. The band decided to turn to pop rather than the heavy blues they had been playing, and Clapton wanted out. He left, and interestingly, Jimmy Page joins the band, and then later Jeff Beck, but we're talking about Cream today. <laughs> Clapton joins John Mayle and the Blues Breakers in April, but he's only in the band for a few months. 
He leaves for Greece with another band, and then he returns to England and rejoins the band. So Clapton and Baker agree to be in this new band, and Clapton suggests they get bassist and vocalist Jack Bruce. Clapton had played for a very brief time with Bruce in various projects, and Baker had actually been in a band with him called the Graham Bond Organization. In fact, Baker had been the one to eject Bruce from that band. (laughs) They fought constantly and would allegedly sabotage each other's instruments. After his firing, Bruce kept showing up to gigs, and eventually Baker threatened him with a knife to keep him away. And Clapton's like, I really want this guy in our new band. (laughs) If you ever see any interviews with Ginger Baker, you probably know this to be true. (laughs) But Bruce and Baker agreed to leave all that in the past for the sake of this new group. But you can probably guess some foreshadowing as to (laughs) to how things are going to go. They called themselves Cream, supposedly a reference to being the cream of the crop of musicians in England. Each member agreed to contribute to writing, music, and lyrics. Clapton was anxious about singing, so Bruce took over most of the vocal duties in the band, with Clapton providing backup. In October of 1966, Cream released their first single, Wrapping Paper. Wrapping paper in the gutter, moving slowly as the wind on the sea. Faces calling, waves moving, in your picture on the wall of a house of old time. Can you The song has a little R&B and jazz flavors, indicative of the different genres they could play and would incorporate into their sound. Shortly afterwards in December, their debut record, Fresh Cream, arrives. The album peaks at number six in the UK and hits number 39 in the US. The record is half original songs and half covers, including the first single, Spoonful, a song by American blues man Willie Dixon. Critics love the record, which mixes pop, blues, and a new hard rock sound. While every track on the album is worth mentioning, I should point out that the song Toad is basically a drum solo track showing that this band really stands out from the rest of their contemporaries. By 1967, Cream is playing tons of shows in the U.S., U.K., and Europe. The band goes to New York City in May, where they record their sophomore record, Disraeli Gears. The album doesn't come out until November, because production was allegedly delayed to complete the record's iconic psychedelic cover art. The record is another critical success when it does come out, and brings the band even more attention in the U.S. While still having a blues feel to the tracks, as you can hear on the famous Sunshine of Your Love... It's getting near dawn When 
Some songs had a more psychedelic edge, like on the track Strange Brew. Strange Brew was co-written by Clapton with producer Felix Papillardi and Papillardi's wife, Gail Collins. Papillardi would actually go on to play bass and sing for the band Mountain, who had a big hit with their song Mississippi Queen. Papillardi would go on to produce the rest of the band's albums, all two of them. (laughs) As a producer, he kept the band tight and more focused, which they had to be, because Disraeli Gears was actually recorded in just four days. There's a story where the band's visas were expiring as they were finishing the recording. While the songs on Fresh Cream and Israeli Gears were short, typically three to five minutes, as a live band, Cream first kept them faithful to the records, but then started turning their songs into epic jams, easily lasting 10 to 20 minutes or more. Some of this is attributed to the fact that the band visited the U.S. West Coast and the crowd loved jam bands. For some reason, tracks from Disraeli Gears didn't appear much in performances, and when they did, they weren't extended like tracks from Fresh Cream. The band kept consistently touring, but things were getting bad. Baker and Bruce were constantly fighting. In the live shows, Bruce would continually turn up the sound on his bass, causing frustration for Clapton and making Baker unable to hear himself playing the drums. I read one thing saying that Clapton, at one point during a performance during this time, stopped playing altogether and neither Ginger Baker or Jack Bruce noticed that he had stopped. That's how loud they were. <laughs> they couldn't even hear J- Eric Clapton, you know, like probably one of the greatest world, the world's greatest living guitarists. Couldn't hear it. And they're just like, whatever. <laughs> so Clapton was often refereeing to keep the two from fighting. Starting in the summer of 1967, the band started material for a follow up to Disraeli Gears. In August 1968, the band put out Wheels of Fire. It was a double album with one record being studio material and the other being live performances. We'll get more into this album shortly since it features today's track, Those Were the Days. The biggest hit on the record was White Room, Let's Listen Here. By the time the record came out, the band members were already calling it quits. Clapton was constantly trying to keep Baker and Bruce calm, and he had recently heard the band, as in the musical group the band, featuring the musicians that backed Bob Dylan. He felt inspired by their music and decided he wanted to try different things. Cream announced their breakup in July of 1968, which was a month before Wheels of Fire came out. They would do a farewell tour in the U.S. and end with two shows in London at the Royal Albert Hall. They also agreed to do one last album, Goodbye, which came out the following year in 1969. 
The intention was to make a record similar to Wheels of Fire, but ended up being a condensed version with only three live tracks and three studio tracks with each band member contributing a song, the most memorable being Badge, which was released as a single. Clapton wrote the song with the Beatles' guitarist George Harrison. The story goes that Harrison was writing a portion of the song and then wrote Bridge, indicating the next part of the song. Clapton read it as Badge, and the joke stuck as the title. Goodbye did well, hitting number one in the UK and number two in the US. The studio material indicated the more interesting directions that were suggested by Wheels of Fire, but that was it for the band. They each went their separate ways and would play in other bands and do solo records and all kinds of stuff. When Cream was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1993, the band reunited for the event and played a three-song set. There were talks of more shows, but nothing materialized, supposedly because Clapton was just uninterested. This might be the case, as Bruce and Baker started a new band, BBM, that only put out one album around that time. In May 2005, the band formally reunited and played four shows at the Royal Albert Hall, where they famously first ended the group. Clapton mentioned he wanted to do the shows as Bruce had recently recovered from a liver transplant two years before and Baker was arthritic. The shows went well and the band decided to do three more shows at Madison Square Garden in October, but infighting started once again, even after more than 35 years since the band originally broke up. Not having properly rehearsed for the shows led to further frustration between the members. Despite a few more years of rumors, that was the end as Clapton and Baker were pretty vocal about being done with the band. Baker placed the blame with Bruce's behavior that he said recalled the original ending of the band, stating Bruce was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and he had been Mr. Hyde in New York. Bruce died in 2014, and Baker earlier this year, and Clapton seems to still be going strong. But let's jump back 51 years to 1968 and talk a bit more about the album Wheels of Fire. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. Wheels of Fire is a pretty interesting album. As I mentioned, it's a double album, one record being studio material and the second live. I guess we should point out that this is this is the late 60s. This 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 is not a common thing. I feel like lots of bands do this now. Like they release uh, well, you know, 
lots of bands release double records where they have, you know, two, two discs of material. And then lots of bands, they like, you know, release a special edition of, of a record where it's like the first disc is their, their new album. And then the second disc is a collection of live things or a DVD of live performances and music videos. Where This is a fairly common thing now, but in the 1960s, this was like a totally novel concept. Yeah. A double album was, yeah, a new concept. Never mind having part of it being studio and part of it being live. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, and this album was a huge success and it became the first, platinum double album so like this is like a historical album in in a certain capacity because it was the first of its kind to be successful and be a double record i think it makes sense that this would be a double album and part of it would be studio stuff and part of it would be live stuff because that live component is so important to the identity that this band had i I don't know if it was kind of a a conscious thing that we're going to be like known as this super loud heavy band that like rocks the fuck out for 20 minutes straight with everyone. Basically, if you listen to any of those recordings, it's basically everyone playing to their best of their ability. I I mean, Ginger Baker is just wailing on the drums. Jack Bruce is pounding away at the bass and Eric Clapton is just going crazy. Uh, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I mean, you just like have to hear it to believe it. So I, it makes sense why they'd want to combine those things. So a lot of the record, I mean, it, there, there are some like loud rock songs here, songs like Politician and stuff, but there are a lot of quieter, tr- a couple quieter tracks where the band really tries to do some new and interesting things that they hadn't done. And it's a great success too. I mean, one of those tracks is the uh, the acoustic song, As You Said. That's that's one of my favorite Cream songs. Like that's a, that's a, an amazing, amazing song. It's beautiful and, and just intricate and interesting. A lot of interesting guitar work going on there. And you actually told me today for the first time, that's not Eric Clapton. Nope, that is Jack Bruce playing, that- playing acoustic guitar in some alternate tuning. I'm not, I'm not quite right, sure yeah. what it is. And also playing cello on it. Blows my mind. Like I've been listening to that song for years, and <laughs> just now yeah, no, finding out. Uh, yeah, I'd always, I'd always just assumed that it was. Yeah. Um. So I mean, there's, there's a lot to listen to on here. It kind of follows uh, the, the. I'm not going to say typical Cream format, but there's a couple of blues covers that you would come to expect from this band. As, as I mentioned in the, in the history, the band was kind of all expected to bring material to the table, and a lot of Clapton stuff was. I'm going to rework these like blues songs I love, and that's what. I'm going to, those are my, yeah, that's, that's my, that's, that's my contribution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jack Bruce is going to write original material. Ginger Baker is going to write original material. I'm going to come in with material from old blues acts that I love that I think fit the cream sound. So that's how, and, and even and, the, and even the individual members are working with other people, other musicians trying to write these songs and, and bring these, you know, bring different tracks forward. So I, I feel like you get some, it may sound a little bit scattered, I guess, like listening to the record from beginning to end, but it's such a varied listen that I feel like it, it makes it really cool where typically you're just like, okay, we'll have a couple heavy tracks to open the record and then, you know, a slower song. And this just kind of does that, but it's a little all over the place where, like you mentioned, as you said, is pretty unexpected when it yeah when, when, when it comes up. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay, we're going in this direction now. That's that's cool. And then and then afterwards, you're you're going you're back in, in, yeah, yeah, yeah back yeah. in another direction. So yeah, it's interesting. And it's it's I guess one thing that's important to remember is Zeppelin's just getting started around this time. So this is they would kind of end up taking up the cream mantle in terms of like defining what hard rock was. And even to some extent doing experimental acoustic folky things, but this is a band that's doing it when pretty much nobody else is at least, you know, no one in kind of a a mainstream 
sort of sense. So it's funny that this band is kind of just trying weird stuff and it's this loud, raucous band and things. When you listen to the recordings, the recordings aren't always the best, but I feel like it lends a particular kind of aesthetic to to everything. Like the guitar sounds kind of like thin and a little too... Like yeah, you, you rent a little too like wiry in places, and I think I think that uh, maybe a casual listener might hear that and just be like, "Oh, well, it was the '60s. Like recording stuff was was not nearly as uh, advanced, uh, advanced yeah, yeah. technologically as as it was even even in the '70s. Like you know when, when you know well, we we did a we did a Who episode where he talked about the creation of quadrophenia. I mean that was like for the time it was like this technological marvel that he was able to create these these songs in a mobile studio and on the road and like recording parts here and recording parts there and mixing them all together and multiple tracks but that was not happening <laughs> it's just like so it'd be easy to write off but then again you can listen to other songs by other bands at the same exact time like the Beatles for example and you hear just lush, lush yeah. yeah beautiful sound so it's very clear that even though cream had the ability and most likely the finances to do it they, they still they're like no we have four days let's make <laughs> this fucking record and get back on the road so it ends up having this like really raw uh, like once again that that word unrefined energy to it and you have to remember they're trying to record this album in between just constantly touring so they're playing probably like every night of the week all over the world and then you know you you probably get a few days off, and the your I'm assuming the producer Papillardi is probably like tapping on your back, being like, "Hey guys, we should probably get in the studio and like do, do a couple songs now." And and I feel like you get that kind of patchwork feeling with the record, but I think it I think it, may, it really makes it work. Yeah, when you have three musicians like like Baker, uh, Bruce, and Clapton, when you have those three people together that kind of unrefined quality, that lo-fi, like let's just rush into the studio and bang something out real quick. It's, it's going to be immeasurably more interesting when they do it than it would be if just like some random, you know, group of musicians did it because not everyone is very Clapton. Not everyone is Ginger Baker. You know, these are, you know, for, for people listening to this, to this podcast who maybe aren't musicians and don't know, these are pillars of, of their of their instruments. I mean, if you if you want to talk about some of the greatest bass players that ever lived, some of the greatest drummers that ever lived, some of the greatest guitar players that ever lived, these three people are going to appear on those lists for absolute sure for everybody. Yeah, and and not only is the band influential, but each individual member is. Right. You know, they'll you'll hear rock drummers being like Ginger Baker. Is, yeah, like you know, oh like, yeah, I I you know like you'll hear a modern drummer be like oh we were trying to figure out what to do with this song that we're working on and then I thought about how Ginger Baker would do it so then I did it that way and that's how we came to the sound and you know same thing with Clapton same thing with Bruce and, and just Cream in general so really their their name is sort of stupid because they're like we're the Cream of the crop <laughs> it's, that's that's pretty lame but at the end it's like no like this is this is pretty legit like these guys are the cream of of the crop when it comes to their playing style and whatever so yeah it is interesting to think about you know how unrefined this cream of the crop band really is you would think that they would approach their studio time with the same kind of i don't know intention of creating like this this monumental thing that they were doing but i don't know it, it might just be it might just be the dynamics you know like we're talking about how how the, the problems that that especially with with baker and bruce how the drummer and the bass player vocalist they just they just didn't get along maybe it was simply that like being in a studio for 12 hours a day you know that's a whole different ball game than being on the road like being on the road at least you can be like 
we're stopping. I'm going to get out of the van or the bus or whatever. And I'm, I'm going to spend some time here. away. Yeah. You're going to go over there. We're backstage. I'm going to be in my dressing room. You'd be in your dressing room. And then they only convene on the stage. Can't really do that in the studio, especially with a band like cream where they're recording a lot of this stuff live, you know, in the studio. So it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're trapped in this <laughs> like, you know, 10 by 10 box with this person that you literally hate and want to kill <laughs> with a knife. <laughs> so, so yeah, you can imagine the band being like, we need to get out of here as soon as possible, lay down the track and let's get back on the road. So, you know, it, it creates this energy, maybe this like immediacy to it that, that you're right. It is, mm. it is, it is very unique for them. And then when you hear Led Zeppelin, which, you know, once again, doesn't even release their first album until well after Cream is broken up. When you hear Led Zeppelin and you hear a little bit of that rawness, like a little bit in their studio albums, but you, it's much more refined. It's much more collected and put together. You you can tell like, oh, like maybe this is what Cream would have sounded like if they could keep their shit together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we talked about kind of the craziness of this band, and I feel like the song Those Were the Days is really where things work, where they put together a song that stays within the pop song limitations, but also lets each member's amazing prowess be on display. So this is a song that's written by Ginger Baker and a guy named Mike Taylor that Baker would write with, and I think Baker wrote the lyrics and Mike Taylor wrote the music. And basically this this weird mythological song with these like heavy power chords throughout and Jack Bruce sings on this track despite being a Ginger Baker song. And if you hear Ginger Baker sing because you can hear him on this album on Passing the Time and Pressed Rat and Warthog, you'll kind of see why Jack Bruce was probably a better choice on this. As as an aside, why didn't we choose Press Rat and Warthog for for the Skip Tone Shuffle episode? Well, I don't know. We we have yet to do a spoken a spoken word <laughs> <laughs> song, but maybe you yeah. know. Maybe. So so that was a kind of a joke, and Cream fans are probably laughing right now, and everybody else is like, oh, "What is he talking what about? Press Rat? What?" <laughs> the song is weird. Let's just put it that way. So I I feel like this song is trying to replicate how successful keeping things. I'm not sure what word I'm looking for, but keeping things focused and contained while also letting each member, like I said, kind of do their thing, I think is the problem with cream. Cause it's like, you can get on stage and everyone can play like crazy for however long you want. But when it comes to making a record, we like, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's like, we are trying to write some songs that we can get on the radio to keep this, keep this thing going. And I feel like those were the days is really successful maybe, at that. Maybe efficient would be a good word. Efficient, like it's an yeah, efficient yeah. song. It like, it gets across what you need to know. It, it has all the, the trappings of what a cream song is. Yeah. So the, dr- the delivered the, in under three yeah, minutes. Time. Yeah. So the drumming's <laughs> insane. And then there's this crazy solo that Clapton has in there. Just like a blistering, like 20 seconds and you can kind of hear Bruce going crazy on the bass and then it jumps back to to keeping the song into you know that verse chorus kind of kind of structure so i feel like you get a sense of sort of the power of this band in this track despite the fact that they are confined to the studio 
So let's take a look at the lyrics, which are kind of just outlandish as... <laughs> I feel like Jack Black wrote these lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just imagine, <laughs> when the city of Atlantis... <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes more sense of that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it starts out, when the city of Atlantis stood serene above the sea, long time before our time, when the world was free, those were the days. It just kind of keeps going like that. So, you know, golden symbols flying on ocarina sounds. But I think the thing that's interesting to mention with like these kind of weird mythological invocations is that, again, bands weren't really doing this. You didn't yeah. have like the Zeppelin, you know, references yeah. to Lord of the Rings. That was not happening yet. That, that None of that was happening yet. So you don't really have, I, I mean, I, I can't think off the top of my head of a lot of bands that were kind of, writing Going that direction yeah right yeah. writing like this kind of stuff and the band had done this previously there's a song on disraeli gears called tales of brave ulysses which references a lot of homer's the odyssey so it's something they were kind of an idea that they were playing with that they would kind of keep revisiting but just again kind of just a weird thing that this band tried to do that other bands would eventually kind of hook onto and, and run with. I mean, you even have, we did an episode on King Crimson. Right. And right around the and, same time and, and yeah. right around the same time. Yeah. And so in 1969 in the court of the Crimson King comes out and that's again, this kind of, out, the out, album's out, called out, In the Court of the Crimson yeah, King. I've said enough. Yeah. <laughs> but that kind of like outlandishness with the, the lyrics, uh, being fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Just otherworldly. Yeah. I mean, here's another, here's another, uh, uh, passage from from these lyrics. So, I mean, I feel like I should, you know, have like a, a a poetry soundtrack behind me. But tie your painted shoes and dance. Blue daylight in your hair. Overhead, a noiseless eagle fans a flame. Wonder everywhere. <laughs> I mean, this is like like I feel like right now, if somebody wrote lyrics like this to a to a modern song, like they'd be called pretentious and and you know just over the top ridiculousness or whatever or you know. They would probably be mocked, but you know, once again, at this time, this is like not a common thing. This is like a, a, a heavy, heavy band that plays heavy rock music, not heavy metal, because that literally hasn't been that word hasn't been coined yet. Like that, that hasn't happened yet. So you've got this this sound that they're basically inventing with 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 a track like this. So it's it's a pretty interesting kind of slice of 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 history. And one thing I like about this that. It- we mentioned how much they draw from the blues is you still have that call and response that's in here. So there, there is a line, those were the days and you get Clapton in the background saying, yes, they were. So I, I mean, there's just, I feel like there's just everything about cream in this one song. Another thing that's kind of cool about this one is there's bells, right? Played, <laughs> on, played by the producer, Felix Papillardi on the track that I don't know. It just adds, something cool and and different and you really just get this feeling that this band was just like whatever let's try it yeah and and i think that's one reason why i love them again coming back to that unrefined you know if if the beatles were putting bells on a record they'd play around with you know george martin would be playing around with the tape speed and like doing different you know doing different things and messing with this and that to get like the right sound and i feel like for for them they're like i don't know we got a couple days in the studio bang on bang on those things over there (laughs) and i'll 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 splice it in somewhere and and i mean it just uh, it just doesn't sound like anything else 
So jumping back to the lyrics, I feel like in some ways, despite the over the topness of of the the lyrics invoking all these you know mythological fantastical things, that a lot of this is Baker kind of just talking about like, man, am I yearning for a different time when I wasn't, I wasn't, in I this wasn't band. stuck in this band? <laughs> and and I think that's kind of what he was saying because he's he's talking about you know when the world was free, those were the days. There's a line in here before wild Medusa's serpents gave birth to hell disguised as heaven. I feel like that's him saying, I thought this was going to be a really good thing. Turns out I was horribly wrong <laughs> and this is literally hell. <laughs> and I, and I think you get the, you know, this, this noiseless Eagle that fans a flame. So I, I, I don't know if that's, you know, fanning some rage or, or something, but I mean, there's, there's always, songs with some sense of longing or nostalgia for things before, but I can't help but feel like this is a little bit, this, this, this might be a cry for help. <laughs> yeah. And even, even there's even the second part of the verse, which is starts off with golden symbols flying. And, and just, just to be clear, and that's the, symbols, not like, that's like a drum symbol, not, not a, you know, symbolism. And so, yeah, I mean, golden symbols flying, like he's the drummer. He's talking about how he, you know, played drums in other groups and had other things going on in his life. And those were amazing, awesome days. And, and they are now, long past. They now. are long past. Now I am in this band that I don't want to be in anymore. And we, you know, knowing now, obviously at the time they were recording this, they, they didn't know, but knowing now, like they're not even going to release the album before breaking up. Like they're going to break up before the album even makes it into stores. So clearly this is the end, you know, he's, he's at the end of his rope and he's, you know, we, we think anyway, writing this song to kind of like get that out without blatantly being like Jack Bruce is a fucking dick <laughs> and I hate this band. <laughs> I mean, I guess that would also be an interesting cream song if that ever came to be. But, you know, he's taking a more artful approach, I, you know, we, we suppose of composing this song, trying to get out some of these feelings that he has while, you know, not being super direct about it. At the top of this episode, Jason said that this is, you know, the Cream is one of his top 10 favorite bands of all time. And I'm, I'm not in that camp. I love Cream. I, I think they're great. You know, I love all the songs that they, that they do. I, I especially like, as we mentioned, I like, as you said, is one of my favorite Cream songs, but I also love all the big hits like Sunshine of Your Love. I mean, I, I remember when I first started playing guitar, playing Sunshine of Your Love was like one of the first riffs I ever learned. Cause I was like, that riff is badass. Like you have to play that riff. Uh, you know, that one and uh, smoke on the water. Those are like the two, dun, the two, dun, yeah, dun. those are the two badass riffs that you have to learn as a, as a young, you know, budding guitar player. So I, I, you know, I love cream, but I think what really fascinates me about cream in a macro sense, like not just, not just their music, not just the albums, but in a macro sense, the thing that really fascinates me is the time period that this was happening where as we told about in the beginning, when we talk about the history of cream, it's literally just three guys just like, Hey man, you want to start a band? Yeah, let's start a band. All right, cool. You know, and that's it. That's all. And then, you know, four years later, they're like, all right, we don't want to do this anymore. And then Clapton moves on. And when Clapton moves on, he joins, uh, th this other band blind faith, 
which also featured Ginger Baker in the band. And they released one record and then that broke up. And then Clapton moves on to Derek and the Dominoes and then they break up after one record. It was, you know, and then, you know, obviously Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce after Cream breaks up, they go in their separate directions and do their own thing or whatever. But I don't know, that doesn't happen anymore. Like, you don't really, I, I don't know. Like, I can't think off the top of my head of like, bands that are just like thrown together one day by a couple of people and then like you know within a year they're touring the world and have their album on you know on the charts and whatever it's more calculated and let let me look at the contract before yeah we'll get to find we have to sign this contract we have to figure out like oh what what are we gonna sound like like how who's our audience like what are we appealing to like all that you don't just rehearse in a room and go out on stage and you're yeah you know it was a totally different time this this I don't know this this golden age of 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 I mean when you think of the golden age of rock and roll I guess a lot of people think of more like earlier they think of like Elvis in the early 50s and Buddy Holly and that kind of stuff but I don't know for me like this time period the late 60s to the mid 70s that was when rock was so interesting you could just do whatever you wanted like you know, I don't know. It might have just been a thing where it was just like it was so much more hard to be in a band at that time. You know, nowadays, like if you, if Jason and I wanted to start a band, we could go to Guitar Center with five hundred dollars and walk out with everything that we need to start a band right now in our, in our, in my living room and record and write and put it all online and boom, we're a band. Whereas back then, it was like if you wanted to be in a band, you, it was much more of a heavy commitment. So maybe that was it. I don't know. There was less people. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what it was. But back then, like. It was just this fascinating time of creativity and no rules. You know, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like Cream, they go to like a record label and they're like, hey, we have a band. The record's like, cool, here's some money. <laughs> go make an album. And Cream comes back with this album they record in a few days. And they're just like, here you go. And the ripple's like, cool. Like, let's put it out. You know, like it was just such a fascinating time for music and, and rock music in general. And when I hear Cream, I, I think about, that time, you know, I, cause I, like you're talking about earlier about how like this unrefined sound and, you know, their ability to just kind of change things up of, of, you know, no expectations. What are they going to do on this record? Who knows? Because there is no rule book. There is no blueprint. There's nothing. You just do whatever you want. And so when I hear cream, that's what I think about. And so my personal connection to them doesn't really dive much deeper than, than maybe that, because like I said, I love the music. I love them. I wouldn't consider them my top 10 favorite bands. I feel like they're, I don't know. The music doesn't really grab me as much as maybe like a Led Zeppelin did or, or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, I just, I love the fact that this time period existed and cream is without being like super awful with puns. Cream really is like the cream of the crop when it comes to that, when it comes to that kind of that, that, that historical moment in time. I think it was interesting for me coming to uh, appreciate Cream and obviously like grow to love them and and feel like they're they're one of my favorite bands. And I think a lot of that is just being growing up listening to Clapton in like the late 80s early 90s period is weird for not not for everyone revering Clapton as one of the best guitarists and then hearing some of his like later output you're like what are people talking about like I, I don't quite understand like yeah he's good and he does some like interesting things but i feel like i didn't really get it and my parents had back back in the back in the days of compact disc um <laughs> youngins my, yeah let us my, <laughs> learn you a thing or three about compact discs <laughs> my my parents were in the it was called columbia house and it was like a mail order cd thing i i, I don't remember what it, you'd have to order x amount 
Yeah, it was. Like, it, you, you, there was a sign-in fee. Like you had to, you had to agree to buy like ten records, and yeah. you only pay. And like, then they would mail you one a month, and yeah. you could choose to keep it or make right. sure you mail back. Yeah. It, it was at, at any rate, the, the, they did that, and they would have box sets of things. And Cream, because as we ran through, had so little material, they basically fit everything they did into like a four-disc set, which also shares the title of the song we talked about today. Those were the days I saw it. And I was like, I know that Eric Clapton is in the band. I knew Sunshine of Your Love and probably White Room. And I was like, I feel like this this might be kind of cool. I mean, the cover art just is like weird psychedelic stuff. And so I I bought it and it came in and I listened to it and I was like, holy shit, Eric Clapton is awesome. I finally <laughs> I finally get why people revere him so much. And I think it was cool to kind of just listen to everything at once. So I never got a lot of bands you listen to, you get attached to like one or two albums and those end up being your favorites and your go-tos and having listened to everything because they basically put two albums on a single disc and the next two albums on a single disc and then a couple, two discs of live stuff. So I listened to everything together. So I didn't really have the kind of, barriers of like oh this is where this album ends and this album starts so everything just kind of held on equal like an equal level for me which i feel like is is not the case with probably any other band that i've listened to being able to hear everything all at once and and not associating a particular song with being on a particular album and and i think that was just so different in listening to cream than pretty much any other band that i can think of so I, I think that helped me develop this kind of love for them. Um, and I also just love the sound of this band, not only at the time, but especially the reunion show when they got back together in 2005. They did um, some shows at the Royal Albert Hall that they put out um, a live DVD and a live CD release. And Eric Clapton's guitar on that, like like just the how his guitar sounds is basically one of my favorite guitar sounds ever being a guitarist just being like if i played guitar that's how i want my guitar to sound where it sounds clean but there's a little bit of like dirty distortion on there and it also still captures that weird kind of psychedelic era but it's pretty clean blues compared to if you, if you listen to the live stuff from like the late 60s it's just a, a muddled mess <laughs> uh, and which is still cool but on these releases, it's like they really like clean up the sound and they sound like a more mature band, which I mean, they are. I mean, they're <laughs> yeah, it's been oh, like many, 30 many something years, years, years yeah. have gone by. Um, but it just I don't know. I can just basically throw on cream whenever and just be like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> and and that's basically kind of how I think of them. I they're pretty much in a regular rotation for me. But there's something about that live album that's amazing. Um, and also the cover art is evocative of that 60s psychedelic art so i have a big poster hanging up on on in, in my living room wall of the the cover art for that reunion show and i don't know i just i can't even recommend a particular album to you because i will just be like you need to buy the box set with everything <laughs> you need to you need to <laughs> commit you must fully commit to this band um but i mean if you're going to check anything out like Check out the 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 reunion show, which, you know, some people I feel like were just like, oh, it's not like the old cream because they're not like 
hating each other and trying to play over each other. Well, it's they were just, still hating each other. Yeah, they were still <laughs> <laughs> just it's just not visible on <laughs> But I mean if if you listen to that, I, I just feel like you'll be you'll you'll get a good sense of like, oh, this band is is kind of different and kind of cool. And I think even after so much time has gone by, I, I felt like, oh, it'll lose some some sort of quality or some sort of resonance. But there's still something about those three people on stage playing where you're just like, these are fantastic musicians and it's cool that they got together, even if it's just kind of a, a, a short experience, both in the, their original life as, as a band and also as this reunion thing. So even though I never got a chance to, to see them live or anything, I'm at least glad that there's so much captured from both their original era and their later era. I feel like for some bands, you don't get that benefit that it's 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 nice that things were professionally recorded back when they were originally around in the 60s um and I'm I'm really glad that they chose to to put out the reunion stuff so even though they they didn't exist for very long after their original incarnation I I'm I'm glad that's something that's out there so I I just basically can't recommend listening to Cream enough <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Please visit our website at www.skippedonshuffle.com for more news about other episodes and our upcoming schedule. We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please visit skippedonshuffle.com for links to all of our social media pages.